0: Providing inspiration and community for women in business of Middle Tennessee, this
1: is Powered by Her
0: with Tiffany Anton. Indestructible, indestructible. Welcome back to Powered by Her. I am Tiffany Anton, your host of Powered by Her. If you uh, didn't know that, you probably haven't been listening to the last hundred some episodes, but I have my good friend, Shella Rooney. Hi, Shella. Hello, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. So you're the founder of Goni. Um, you have been on par by her previously back three years ago, almost exactly. So it was um, your episode aired January 29th, 2021. It's her three year anniversary. Um, we got lots of anniversaries, okay. girls. So um, if if shell and i are really good friends so hopefully um this interview we don't get too too down in the weeds on things they're gonna make or break us (laughs) um so we're gonna talk about um kind of imposter syndrome and what you've gone through in the last three years um but first i want to take a second to thank our partner miss sally's market have you been there in gainsborough yet
1: No, but I want to.
0: Owned by Natasha Dean. Let's take a second to thank Miss Sally's located at 212 East Hall Avenue, just off the square in downtown Gainesville. At Miss Sally's, you'll find high quality seasonal products that taste so good. They are sourced right here in Jackson County and the Upper Cumberland it's such a cute little market. They have milk that's like locally sourced and meats and they have a salad bar and you should go Uh, check it out. Gainsborough is killing it right now. It is. And I think that John and Natasha have done so much for economic Mm -hmm. development. Honest John's is across the street. Wildwood is of course one of my favorite places. But go on down to Miss Sally's Market in downtown Gainsborough open Tuesday through Saturday 9am to 6pm ready to serve with a warm and southern smile. Miss Sally's Market real food for life journey. You know I'd
1: also like to say that John is not just a supporter of the community like he actually gave me some wisdom and mentorship a couple of years back and hooked me up with like a surgeon and an orthopedic guy like yeah. they want to help. It's, yeah it's crazy how just they have a giving spirit.
0: They are such good people and um, when Natasha opened Miss Sally's just a, a female-owned business there and just something different for people who really are looking for that freshly sourced food um, who really care and it's hard to make waves in a small town like that um Gainesville is even more rural than we are in Cookville and so opening a brick and mortar there was some risk involved and and I just wanted to really see them be successful so I'm a, I'm excited to partner with them this season um, for powered by her so nice, nice 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 so we want to talk about kind of analysis to paralysis is usually how you call it but we have spent a lot, a lot of hours um, talking about kind of you being a business owner. Um, And so take us through that journey a little bit back in 2021. I think you really felt like you had to kind of put on this like front, like, I know it all because I want to be taken seriously. And I want to, you know, and you have this passion and desire to have a successful product. And you know, that your product to go into more detail, you can go back and listen to the Mm -hmm. episode that talks about the product a little bit more. But you know that your product can help people. And so you just had so much passion. But all the little details of everything you have really struggled with feeling like a business owner? Do you feel like there was a point where you were like, Okay. Now I feel like I know business over all the PT stuff, or do you feel
1: like you still? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just this morning had to send a resume to a PT person cause I'm going to do a PT talk. And I realized my resume is now like the last four years was business stuff, international stuff, like, um, talks you've done. And... Yeah. Even the podcasts were related to being a business owner or bringing a product to market. And I was like, I almost, I sent him a little paragraph, like, do you need me to update my resume? and only include the clinical stuff. Cause I'm realizing yeah. that shift is happening, but yeah, no, I, um, I would say that, and it saddens me, but my PT hat is not put on as much as my business hat is now. Like mm-hmm. I am full throttle business owner. You know, I do think that my struggle was I did a 25 year career as a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was really good. And um, I just think that entrepreneurial journey, some people have done it since they were kids. Mm -hmm. It wasn't me. So I think I had a harder time because I didn't identify myself as a business owner. So even when you come up with a product and it helps and it works with a patient, it was like, great, I solved a problem for one patient and that's it. Like, you know, so that transition to let's, could this product help millions of people? It was really rough for me.
0: Well, and what, what do you think was the biggest struggle to like say- yeah I can I'm I own a business it, was it the letting go of being a PT because I used to say that to you a lot you know like because you're you would say you know I'm a PT and I run this business and I'm like no you own this business you're you know you're a founder um, was it the fact that you felt like you had to let you could only be one over, over the other? Um, I think because as a health professional,
1: all my career, the business part was the financial part, and I wanted to always keep those things separate. Meaning, I didn't want to think about the financials of treating a patient, like how much money do you make from mm. them, how much does their insurance pay, how much is the copay. I wanted to be once removed from that, and I felt like, as a business owner, you have to focus on the finances. Right. Yeah. And so every sale is money, and you know I had, a, and I still struggle, and that's why I, I joke that you know when I make it and you know, it's going to happen. I'm going to be a customer service representative for Goni because I get to then talk to the individuals on the phone about their knee and we get to talk about it and I get to geek out about the clinical aspect of it. But as a business owner, it felt dirty to talk about financials and pricing and charging for a product that's going to help an individual. I think people who don't have a healthcare background, it doesn't even cross their brain Mm -hmm. because I don't know how many people said to me, you understand you have to make money, you know, in order to help people. And I was like, really? Could I figure out a way to help people without charging anything? Right, You know, like it sounds Mm -hmm. so stupid and naive, but I just remember early on thinking, you know, there's got to be a way to do that.
0: Well, and I (laughs) have worked so much in the nonprofit sector that I'm always like, well, I'm just fundraising for my own paycheck. So that's kind of how I look at most things that I do. And so I think, you know, to me, I'm like, well, you're just fundraising to to make a paycheck for yourself. And I think that when you run a business that I think probably women more so than men, we really struggle with that aspect of pricing and we just believe so much in what we're doing. And so, you know, CG England is one of our our big advocates here at, at powered by her. And I feel like there's so many times where she's like, yeah, there's a sale on this and there's a sale on that and there's a sale on that. And she has wiggle room in mm-hmm. her, her pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she can stay afloat and she's been, I think it's almost been 10 years now. And, um, but I'm sure that that's hard sometimes mm-hmm. because you want to support every single thing and you want to do everything. And, you know, with you, with these are patients that are struggling and it changes their lives.
1: Mm-hmm. I had someone recently ask me like, you know, what do you call Goni users? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, they're not patients. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're not patients. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and, and he's, the guy said, you know, do you call them customers? And I'm like, why does that still feel dirty to me? Right, because yeah. it's, it's paying for a service. yeah And I was like, I think I like clients. And they're like, Anyways, the point is, it was a discussion that I still don't like the term because I think that healthcare thing is right there. It's right at the back. You know, it it hasn't gone away. It's just a little further away. My hat's not on my head right now, but it's always right there. But I think it also it's what legitimizes me in my business industry. Like it's what's going to help me be relatable to my clients, you know, Mm -hmm. is that clearly she's still a therapist. Clearly she wants to talk about the clinical part. She doesn't just want to make a sale and be done.
0: Well, and I think sometimes in the medical space, you know, you have these drug reps that don't necessarily, they know they're their drug that they're selling, and they're really good at sales, but they don't really know the medical side of things. And they show up in their suits, and they show up with their donuts, and it's like, you've not, you've been on the receiving end of that for 25 years of your career, and now you're having to pivot over to kind of being in that sales Mm -hmm, field. mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, you know. Do you know
1: what, though? I had someone, um, tell me a great marketing guy, tell me that, you know, it's not that I'm selling something. And, you know, he helped me have a, a pivotal shift in that I have a solution to a problem, that people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And that, does, I know I know that someone's like, well, that is sales. I mean, like, it might be, <laughs> but it's not my definition. My definition is that I have a product, I have a solution to a pain point that millions of people have. And what I'm doing with marketing is trying to connect the two.
0: And I think that that's what makes somebody successful in business over others, is that mindset shift. So instead of thinking, okay, I'm, you know, I I need the money to come in. It's I'm, Trying to provide a solution, and I think that's even when I, you know, in in sponsorship things I've done in in nonprofit sector, it's like, okay, I'm trying to sell this, you know, sponsorship spot, and people are like, oh, I hate asking for money, and that's what sales is too, is at, you know, at trying to get people to buy your product, and it's like, but you're offering something, even when you're just looking for sponsorship, I'm offering them to put their name on this amazing event that we're putting on. You're offering a solution to this pain point.
1: Well, and one of the biggest things I learned was. To me, every person who had knee pain who needs a knee replacement, I thought was my customer, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it hurt me if they didn't want to purchase. And then I was like, how can I figure out for them to get this in their hands? But my, my mind has shifted. It is, if you want help, I am here and it works, yeah. but not everybody
0: is my customer because I realize not everybody does what's best for themselves. Well, and that's you're you're so good at that personally. You can you know how to tell people that in your personal life, and so it's interesting to not to like be able to okay, I can apply these things and say I'm here if you need help. I'm here, you know, as a resource. And you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. You know? And I think part of my
1: initial imposter syndrome was as a physical therapist, I helped everybody that came in contact with me. And then all of a sudden you're having people that are like, yeah, especially health professionals. They were like, even fellow therapists were like, um, you know, I'm not interested in your product, you know? And it was just this, what do you mean? You're not interested. Like it clearly works. It clearly can help your patient. And then it was a, does it, maybe it can't help. Maybe, maybe this is not what I thought. Like the imposter syndrome set in because of an emotional weakness, meaning People who weren't willing to change their own current way of doing things were rejecting my product. That's not about me and my product and its effectiveness. It's about their willingness to change. How did you get through that? Because so many rejections, you know, they they say that, you know, uh, I read something recently that, you know, the more you fail, the more you're growing. Right. So I believe I had such repeated failures and on a variety of scales that, you know, you have to then I'm an analytic person, analyzing person. And so I would look at why do, you, do I think they said no? Why did that patient not buy? Why did that not convert? And I started to realize, you know, it's not about me and my product. It's not that they're calling my baby ugly, Yeah. you know, which was initial. Initial, right. my imposter syndrome was people are like, that, that looks ridiculous. And I'm like, does it really matter what it looks like if it works? You know, and so then I had to get over that. Like, I, I don't care what you think it looks like because I know what it can do. Yeah. You know, and then all the people that were giving me criticism, they didn't own a business. They weren't doing something revolutionary. They weren't doing an uphill thing, creating something new, bringing something to market. So part of my imposter syndrome initially was I was around other therapists and health professionals who were not doing what I was doing. So you're having them criticize and you're like, oh, maybe it's not what it needs to be. But I was, I was surrounded by the wrong people asking the wrong questions. I was
0: going to say that. And so you've gone... Um, In those early years, you really felt like, well, I don't know anything when it comes to business. So everybody else that I that is put in a position knows more than me. Mm -hmm. So anybody that's, you know, deemed to give free help to give mentoring, all these people are more valuable than me. And you chased a lot of stupid ideas, like feedback, you know, sent you the rabbit center, whatever, yes. you know, you were down all these holes of like, okay, well, this person told me this and this person told me that, what do you think shifted for you to know how to and where to take the proper advice. So, so one of the things specifically was that you were getting a lot of advice from people like well you need your you know you need your Instagram to to be you know built up. Well your clients are mainly over 60 years old, probably 50 to, you know, 50 50 plus. Most of those people are not on Instagram. They're not doing TikToks. They're not doing, you know, and your product is not specific to here in the Upper Cumberland. Your product is a nationwide product. And so it's very different than a lot of the, re- the, the businesses that some of the, re- the mentors and, and the people that you've worked with. Mm-hmm. It's a very different business. Right. And so what is it, where did you kind of get that, like, how do you know how to vet people? And, and where did you say, I have to stop chasing every cent.
1: Um, again, it was the repeated failures. It was like, Ooh, they sound like they know what they're doing. Let's do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, things weren't going in the direction that I wanted. And then all of a sudden you realize, you know, okay, TikTok's not where my audience is. Maybe some people are, but not enough of them. Let's try, you know, Facebook. Okay. That's not working. Let's do, but it was, I had people like you, you just nailed it. People were mentoring me from what they knew and Goni wasn't what they knew. It is an international problem. It is an e-commerce business. It's not a local mom and pops. I don't need to show up when someone Googles something about a local knee issue. And so I think it was repeated failures. I went through multiple marketing firms and then doing a ton of research on myself about, you know, what does marketing look like? How do you find your ideal customer? And again, it was, I just failed quicker on a smaller scale, I'm going to say with less money, but that's not true. I did. I started spending more and more money and I, my self doubt started to wane and I've had, um, a patient that he's obviously a friend and a mentor now from like 15 years ago that I treated he had the chops he had the Harvard business degree which means okay in my books he's got the education to explain Um, but he's been the biggest champion for me and I just remember he has for years said to me your intuition is spot on your intuition is right your gut has always been right like every time you've told me you hired somebody and you're like I don't know but you know I've been told they're really good he goes you know your gut told you that they weren't the right one he goes when are you going to start trusting it and I've heard him say that over and over again. And I now um, wholeheartedly say, sometimes I only do it by my gut. Whereas before I would never have done that because I needed proof. I needed somebody with proof or with knowledge or the degree to back up. How can I just choose to do something based on my intuition when I clearly don't have an entrepreneur spirit and I don't have a business degree and I haven't done this before. So, you know, that's my PT thing. Like we, everything is evidence-based. Everything is research-based. You don't have a patient show up and you're like, I'm going to try something. that's never been tried before. Like, you know, so it was drilled into me for like 25 years. You only do things that have already been proven to work. So, you know, with business, I was like, I can only do something that someone has told me that works. But what I realized is nobody knows my business like I do. And a part of my imposter thing that is like, I'm going to say it's gone. I mean, it comes up every now and then when I try to do something new, um, which is great, but it's gone because I am an expert in my field. I don't have a business degree and I haven't owned a business for 20 years, but I've been a PT for 26 years. So, you know, I had someone say in a a business, um, there was a webinar and, you know, and he's like, you are an expert in your field. Like people will invest in a company like you because you're not like an engineer that made a rehab product. You know, that's cool. You're not a, you know, again, a business guy that has like, you know, five, successful companies they've exited that's made a, a product because there are, there are other knee products out there that were made by people that are not PTs. Yeah. They have not been treating people like I have been for 26 years. They don't understand
0: my customer like I do because I've, you know, done it for 26 years. And I realized that's my superpower. I think I, when I first started working for the biz foundry, I was on a marketing call and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing in marketing. I said, I was a high school teacher for five years and that's all, you know, and the lady after the call she got, we got off and, and the, kind of the marketing director said, stop talking about yourself that way. Stop like, that's all marketing is. We're all just trying things out and you're doing this job. So this is what you are. And so I think so often we, especially as women, we're really great about like, well, I don't have a business. I don't have somebody else telling me. I mean, that validation from others (laughs) is pretty important for some people, some more than others. But that validation from others is what we cling to so much that like, well, nobody else is saying I'm a business owner. So how can I just deem that myself? As women, we're kind of always trying to be smaller and and trying to be, you know, not boastful. And that feels like if I just say, well, this is what I am, mm-hmm. it feels boastful sometimes. Well,
1: And it comes from what we know. So, you know, if as a PT working for 20 something years, you know, a CEO was the CEO of a hospital or was the CEO of a large multi-chain nursing home, you know, company. So in my head, when people are like, what's your title going to be? I'm like, you know, you know, and they're like, are you going to be CEO? Well, they're like, technically you are CEO, like you're, you know, and I was like, in my head, this is what a CEO looks like. This is what education they have. This is what their resume should look like. You know, so that was my initial imposter syndrome to even say it out loud sounded embarrassing and ridiculous. You know, it'd be the same as me saying, I am a neurosurgeon. (laughs) Clearly I'm not a neurosurgeon. You know, so to say a CEO just sounded like that's not real, but it is. Is real, considering what I do every day, all day long. You know, solopreneur. I feel comfortable saying because it it makes it look smaller and less substantial. You know, so I'm Mm kind of like, well, you know, I'm a solopreneur. Uh, I guess it depends who I'm talking to, what I say, but I do own that now, considering what I do for my business, all the things that I'm doing to grow it, and part of my imposter journey was again, I don't know if it was a book that I read, an audiobook, something told me that stop focusing on your fails which are inevitable like every every Amazon owner like you know he failed for 20 years Nike failed for 20 years like all these companies you don't hear about that are bazillion dollars like they all failed you just don't know it unless they right. do a documentary so part of me they said focus on your wins focus on your accomplishments focus on your accolades and write them down you know mm-hmm. and I was like oh maybe I'll do that and then when you start writing it down you're like oh my god I'm in 41 US states oh my god I'm in four provinces in Canada oh my goodness I'm in Eastern Africa I'm in Australia. I mean, Lithuania reached out to me. I'm speaking internationally. Like when you start saying those things to people, they're like, holy crap, like you're this international CEO. And then, you know, inside that flicker of like, I'm not an international, Like, yeah. but yeah.
0: technically I'm yeah. selling internationally. Yeah. you know? No, I mean, I feel like that with the podcast. Sometimes I'm like, I mean, there's a, a decent amount of people in Africa that are listening to the podcast and even in some in Europe. And I'm like, it's an international podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that we're getting, you know, millions of people listening, but it's still the fact is there. You it's know? my
1: own self bias that an international CEO should be worth this. They yeah. shouldn't be working out of their home. You know, they yeah. shouldn't be producing their own product. Yeah. Like, you know, so that's my own projection of what I think a CEO is supposed to look mm-hmm. like. And like I said, I still try to, I, I don't call that my imposter syndrome. That's my own self talk that I am like changing, um, of what I think a CEO. Now I realize there are all levels of CEOs. There mm-hmm. are eight year old CEOs that are running yeah. their own lemonade stand. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think you have a daughter like that. Yeah. So to me, I've realized that, you know, CEO is just a title of a company, but what that company looks like is different across the board.
0: For sure. And I think that's, that's the truth of everything we do in life. I think I've, I've thought that with dating and with being a parent and all the things that we do, life doesn't have to be what Society. I feel like we had this conversation last night of just what you know. Life is is how you want it to look, and the people that you want to put in it, and the people that you want to feel valuable about. And so, one of the other things that you've kind of shifted through in the last three years is that you had a partner breakup, and so you had two other business partners, and that was a really difficult, tough time for you um, to go through. So tell me a little bit about that. Did that make you feel more confident? Did that make you feel like, oh my gosh, now I'm all by myself? treading water? What the heck do I do? Um, yeah, no, I would say initially it was devastating. Like to the point where I was like, I'm not going to do it because again,
1: if my imposter syndrome was up in front center, you know, it was at least we were legitimate. There was three of us. We were three people to bounce ideas off of. Nothing was just on my shoulders. It felt more legitimate, like Mm -hmm. created by these three therapists that have like 60 years experience. Like it just seemed more credible. Again, my own projection of what a company is supposed to look like is multiple people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was terrible and horrible and they're phenomenal therapists. You know, I would, I'm so grateful for, you know, where I'm at now because it wouldn't be if it wasn't for them. However, today I wouldn't have been able to grow the company the way I did if I had business partners. And I think you've talked about it before. You can't have business partners that all have the exact same skill set. So we are all three PTs. Mm -hmm. We're all three great clinicians. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us are business experts, financial experts, marketing experts, sales experts, manufacturer. Like, so to me, you know, in
0: hindsight, would I hire, Two more PTs to run the business today. No, yeah. I wouldn't. Right? Yeah. In last um, fall, Lisa Urich and I talked about business partners, and she's business partners with her husband, and it really works because they know his skill set, they know her skill set, so they they're able to come together really well. But. It, it, it has to be a good mix. It has to be intentional.
1: Well, and I'll tell you, um, I've also learned that, you know, an idea does not equal a business. So, you know, one of the, the prior business partners had great ideas, very creative, but that doesn't get it to market. And I have realized what my strength is, is strategic growth. Like, looking at the population, figuring out what to do. And I'm, I'm more adaptable. Like I'm, I'm quick to react and quick to change versus, you know, sometimes other people are a little more stuck. Like we're not going to change anything. We're not going to do this. Like, you know, I've anyways, my point is the answer to that question is initially it was devastating. And I thought it wasn't going to be able to continue because it was not going to be substantial enough with me by myself. However, today I'm going to say that, there's no one limiting my growth except for me. And I choose it that way.
0: Well, and I think you and I are pretty similar to like kind of our inner dialogue sometimes. And I think the biggest thing with imposter syndrome is how much... It's just in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's emotions. It's all emotions. It's our. It's your the the story you're telling yourself, and whether you're telling yourself I'm I can do this, I am doing this, I'm a CEO, or you're telling yourself I don't deserve to be here. No one else is having these conversations about you. It's just you. Well, and we've talked about in our personal lives, like you know, there's friends that serve you well, and there's people that
1: don't. You know, and I'm approaching fifty. I mean, fifty this year. You know, and I've realized there's people speaking noise that why am I listening to them mm-hmm. you know and as you eliminate the noise and you keep the people that are speaking truth and wisdom and counsel and advice that's coming from a good place you, you start to do better and I, that's what I did with my business as well I how much of the noise, the noise do you
0: think was your own noise though well my noise was because I think my noise a lot of times is my own noise
1: No, mine. I I am very open. I'm the believer of you know five chefs in the kitchen actually can produce something better. Um, And I've always thought that. Because again, as a PT, I was always in a healthcare team. I was never isolated. So it was always like, hey, what does the OT think? What does the speech think? What does the doctor think? What does the nurse think? So I've always been collaborative. So I don't ever want to be on an island by myself. I just want to be a little more meticulous on who I choose to be there on the island with me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want similar people but I want like-minded people. Yeah. I want growth-minded people. So these people that were giving me wisdom that was n- number one unsolicited and number two that they didn't have the chops to tell me about. They, you know, I've now recognized the difference. Yeah. So or I'm getting better at recognizing that. So now the noise is all positive stuff. Mm-hmm. I want people to challenge me. I want people to say, "Well, why didn't you do this?" or "Why aren't you doing that?" and I want to think about it. Whereas old Shella would have been like, "I need to do everything that everybody said."
0: Yeah. And don't go down that rabbit hole. That's the thing I think that has been a big shift for you is just, okay, I can I can choose what's valid to me. You know, at one point in the past few years, you've you changed your price point. That was a huge kind of thing where there was a lot of noise, a lot of negativity of like, you can't do that. Why are you doing that? Why, you, you know, well, you had done your research and that was maybe one of the bigger things that I remember you really sticking by, like, this is what I'm choosing to do and this is how I'm doing this. I've reframed who my customer is. I have a better vision of who my customer is more than I have ever had. I'm sure at at times you kind of second guessed yourself. What made you keep going and saying, no, I trust myself in this? Um, Like you said, understanding
1: who my customer is. And my customer is not just someone who has knee pain. My customer is someone who is willing to spend money to speed up their recovery. Mm -hmm. So, There's, you know, 70 million people with knee pain, but there's only a very, very tiny fraction that are willing to research for themselves, find a product that is not necessarily endorsed by their surgeon or their therapist because it's still new and I'm not a great, you know, I didn't do a great job marketing. So, you know, are they willing to deviate and do their own thing? That's a different customer. And I realized that is who I need to find is Mm -hmm. the person who's willing to deviate from the norm, Mm -hmm. take control of their own care, and they're willing to pay for the product knowing the outcome that they desire.
0: So how important do you think it is as people are kind of ironing out a business idea or they're in their business? How important is it to iron out who they're like the details of who their customer was? Because you, you know, they're, when you really narrowed it down, you weren't crossing off things that you originally thought it wasn't older, it it was still older people, it was still people with post knee um, surgery, you know, it was still but it was narrowed down even more. And so how important is that in kind of the success? Because even so far in 2024, we're a month in, and you have more sales. Yeah, it's been the best month. Are you at least double what you had last year? Close?
1: Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Close. I mean, I've added four
1: States, that, yeah.
0: you know, four U S States and, and just, it wasn't just, just in much. January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've that's probably
1: shipped Goni to like 16 States just in the last few weeks. Like, yeah. So when people say imposter syndrome, well, you can't fake that, yeah, you know, and right. you know, you can't fake a good Google review. You can't fake someone calling you and saying you changed my husband's life. Like I cannot believe that, you know, we're going to be able to enjoy retirement because well, of your device. And
0: so some of that is just sticking through the pain yes. of going through like the, the early phases
1: it's eliminating the noise and um, asking why you're doubting what you know clinically. But mm-hmm. it was because I didn't know business. So yeah. my thought was, since I don't know business, there was my doubt there. I've mm-hmm. never doubted my abilities as a therapist. I just doubted my abilities as an owner of a company and the ability to grow it. But my advice, you asked, is I would love anybody in the local area that is starting a new business that wants to like have somebody who will be critical and do that. Like you know, They talk about the mom test. Mm-hmm. I just... Again, so naive. I thought anybody who needs to have knee replacement surgery, if they uh, are introduced to me, they're going to buy my product. Yeah. I didn't understand the, the the psychology of the buyer to convert, you know, to pay cash for something is way different than just because you have a product that works and you have someone with a problem that it equals, you know, a sale. Yeah. Right. It's like window shopping. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was window shopping in healthcare. Yeah. You know, I walk into a store all the time, try on stuff and don't buy it. And now I'm like, oh, that's them going to my website and not converting. That's them
0: reading my blog, but not converting. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Well, and then just trying to like that psychology of things of like, okay, well, what would get them to convert? And how do you, you know, and you're always evolving and always growing. I think that when you're in that debilitating place of imposter syndrome, I think we all will go through it in varying levels at different points of our journeys. And I don't know that you ever get rid of imposter syndrome completely, but when you're at that debilitating place where you can't move forward, that's the problem. And what do you think gets people can get people out of that debilitating place?
1: Um, I mean, for me, I can only speak for me. Um, Like I said, having a mentor,
0: the um, right mentor, the
1: right mentor, mentor and knowing that every person who wants to mentor you you don't have to accept because it was also like oh they want to mentor me that's cool they want to mentor me ooh like even investors oh I want to invest in your business you're like, it adds to that legitimacy and so you're like I should do that but you don't have to do that. You get to choose who is your going to be your mentor. And it doesn't have to be that the personalities match. It needs to be a skill set that they're providing to you. Um, and I would say that's the key. The key to get rid of the noise is having a mentor that guides and provides wisdom. Who, if a mentor is telling you what to do for your business, like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. That's not a mentor. Okay. A mentor should, it's like a coach. You know, the coach is bringing out the best in you. The coach is asking questions. Maybe that's not a good analogy. I played sports and they're supposed to tell me exactly what to do. Um, I can't come up with a good analogy right now. But the point is the mentor shouldn't say this is you should do only Google ads. That's not what a mentor should be doing. Yeah, they should be probing and asking questions like what is your current strategy? You know, what's your current headache right now? What are you dealing with? What are you doing about it? Um, Why are you doing that? Let's like like, you know, someone who holds you accountable, especially as a solopreneur. I don't have a board. I don't have a CEO and a CFO and a CMO and a CTO. And I don't know all the C all the C's. I'm all the seas. So, you know, to me, I need to find those people because um, when I want to do something major, I need someone to cr- critically, constructively dig deep to find out, is this a good investment of my time or my money or the direction for the company to go? And I would advise people to do that.
0: I appreciate all of your insight. Um, if people want to know more about Go Knee, where can they find more information? Um, you can go to
1: so knee.com And I've gotten good at asking. So you know someone who needs a knee replacement surgery or just recently had one. It will definitely help their recovery. It will get them back to doing the things they want to do. It works.
0: So yeah, go check out her website. There's been a lot of work on the website, especially in the past three years. So go check it out. She's got some YouTube videos out there. So you can search "Goni" on YouTube and find out, um, you know, there's some, some good videos of you with some of your patients and some of your exercise videos and whatnot. So I um, am so proud of the journey that you've been on. I'm so proud to be kind of in the front row, side seat. Um, you know, I'm going to be a big deal cheering you out, I'm aware. <laughs> and I'm just so uh, you know, if if anybody goes back and listens, just the ease of Shella compared to probably what that interview was just very buttoned up. And so you know, you you felt like you had to present this certain someone out there. And so just kind of feeling comfortable in your own skin and, and being able to sit here and, and do this with me, I think is a testament to how far you've come. And well, I mean, we're. Our, our relation—we were barely friends at that point. We—I don't even know that we were friends at that point. We just kind of randomly knew each other at that point. But you are one of my closest, dearest friends at this point, and I really value um, all the conversations that we're able to have. I think that that has helped me with some of my imposter syndrome too, is having the right, you know, friends personally in your corner. And I do want
1: to do a quick plug for Tiffany. I just remember one time I was in, um, introducing myself at a networking event, and you know, I did a, like a, what a thirty-second little pitch, and she called me out. I just remember what I would never do that. She (laughs) she called me out on like, why did you use the word? I'm just I think I used the word just like I'm just a PT who created a product. And, you know, she was like, you need to redo that. And I redid it. And I just remember like, gosh, I just sounded like a boss lady the second time and doing that over and over again. Again, it helps to overcome that self-doubt.
0: I think having the people in your corner that the right people personally and professionally, I think, you know, I think I've been able to kind of be a little bit of both for you. And that's, at least I've liked to be able to do that. Um, we do have boundaries sometimes <laughs> that we need to have. So. Definitely. Go check out Go Knee and come back next week because Shell going. We're going to talk a little. We're going to dig a little deeper for next week's episode. So we will see you soon. Subscribe to Powered by Her. Leave us a review and tell somebody you know about Go Knee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. If you want to know more about Powered by Her, head over to Poweredbyher.com. Join the community. Support the cause. And we'll see you next week.